What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells, and this is another episode of Untap, Upkeep, Drink, the decidedly casual Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things magic while enjoying some delicious brews. Today, we're going to be keeping it short and sweet with a mini-sode on deck construction and card evaluation in the sealed environment. As always, I've got with me Corey Janabagian and Drew Flitton. What's up? How you guys doing? So we wanted to get some content out there that was different from our normal stuff, and... Today, we just want to focus on Sealed because it's one of the formats that we all really enjoy. Um, it's our most regular limited format for the group in general. Uh, so we're just going to start her off. So first off, we've got to talk about a brief description of what Sealed is. It's a limited format where we're opening up unopened fresh boosters. Uh, you get six of them from a given block, and then you're trying to build a 40-card Sealed deck from those packs. And then the rest of your Sealed pool that you open is your sideboard, and you get to play off of those cards. So when you're building your main deck, you need 22 to 23 spells. And within that, you need about 13 to 18 creatures. And the reason is because creatures are going to be what win games in the majority of these games. And then you need the rest of those cards that aren't lands are going to be your non-creatures, which are instant sorceries, enchantments, artifacts, whatever. And then you have about 17 to 18 lands, which if you are lucky enough to be able to just run a monocolored deck or just a really aggressive low-curve deck you can kind of bring that down a little bit. But generally speaking, 17, 18 is kind of what we're looking at. Uh, when you're building sealed decks, you want to try to keep to two colors. Uh, three colors makes it a lot more inconsistent for your mana base, and it's just harder to cast those spells when they come up. But if they're really strong cards, then you're going to want to splash for those. Um, but you want to avoid anything that's like double pip that has multiple mana symbols. So when you're splashing colors, you really want these like incredibly powerful effects, planeswalkers, that sort of thing, that on their own can win you the game. All right, so first up, we have card evaluation. How you actually need to assess cards and whether or not they're going to be good in your sealed environment. So Quadrant Theory, I first heard from Limited Resources. So if you want like the full description of what it is, you can check them out. Um, otherwise, the idea is that there are four stages to a game and we need to evaluate how good a card is in each of those stages. So the first stage is your developing stage, which is the beginning when you're low on mana and you're just kind of developing your board. Next uh, stage you have is... Your parity stage, when you're tied or even, which happens again at the beginning of the game, but also happens later in the game. You guys are equal on mana, and you have the same creatures out. Then you have when you're ahead in the game, which a lot of the cards that are good in this area are the win more cards that we've mentioned before. And then you have cards that are really good when you're behind. These are like your board wipes, your sweepers, and whatnot. So when looking at cards in a sealed environment, we want to focus on the acronym BREAD, B-R-E-A-D. And the first of that is your B, which is your bombs. So bombs are the usually the bigger cards that can win the game on their own. They're usually big creatures, rares, mythics. They usually want to build your deck towards your bomb. So they're going to push you to build the deck a certain way. And obviously, they're your win con in the deck, so they're going to draw a lot of hate. And you got to be prepared not only to try and protect your big bombs, but to get rid of other people's big bombs. So the next section we got to talk about is removal, which is a really important part of the limited pool. You've got to be able to remove threats from the board. Right. And so mainly we're going to focus on creation on this. So we're talking about burn spells like lava coil, fight cards. Those are usually in green. Prey upon is kind of your big example there. You've got just your hard removal, which are your destroy effects like murder. And there's also things like bounce spell, sacrifice, pacifism effects. You've got tap effects. Uh, you can reduce power and toughness. Then there's just straight counter spells and hand attack to get rid of threats before they're even on the board. And in limited, you, like Drew said, you focus mainly on creatures removal and then your artifact enchant removal. Those are going to be a lot of sideboard cards depending on what your opponent is running. 
Another thing that goes uh, goes along with removal, but is a little bit more uh, potent and generally tends to be a little more expensive is board wipes, which is going to be able to deal with more than one threat at a time. Right. And so these are also known as sweepers in a lot of formats. Uh, But basically, if you're looking at the quadrant theory here, board wipes are not good when you're ahead. But the fact that they're just so good when you're behind really makes up for that. And so that's how we have to evaluate these cards is that sometimes it's better to kill everything than to let your opponent have that massive board advantage. Yeah, if it's either set yourself back or lose, it's okay to get set back so you at least have a chance. Right, and relevant sets that kind of include that mass token generation, such as the the ones that we've just had with Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Legions, colors that have board wipes in it are colors that are generally good to lean into just because they are going to be able to deal with these token strategies. Yeah, they have a lot of answers. Yep. Another thing we should focus on when we're looking through our cards is evasion. Yeah, that's your E. Yep, the E in bread. And that's going to help us when we get to that parity stage to have an advantage over our opponents. If our creatures can fly and theirs cannot, that gives us an edge. If our creatures have death touch or trample, all these things kind of add up to eke out an advantage when we're in that parity stage. Right, so the idea with evasion is that you want to make it so your opponent can't, or in the case of like death touch and and trample where damage is going to get through anyway, is that they just won't block your creatures. And so that helps you just get through their to their life total and actually start to deal real damage. So the next one up is aggro, which is the A in bread. And this is just basically creatures that can attack. They don't really have evasive abilities, but you want to just swing as much as you can just, just to get damage in. And we've also included uh, pump spells and combat tricks. So things that grant you things flying at instant speed or menace. Basically, whatever you can use to help your creature survive combat or ensure that theirs doesn't. Yeah, instant speed protection or pump effects that make it so the opponent thinks that their creature won't die, but yours, you're going to pump up so that you trade one for one. Or give first strike. or Yeah, it literally makes your creatures more aggressive. Yes. The D is for your duds, your dirt, your dregs. The dookie. It's just the rest of your cards that they're the bottom of the barrel, basically. They're unplayables, basically. They're not stuff that you're happy to run. It's just, I mean, if you have a 1-1 one, one for 1 that has no evasion, it's just okay to put it in. It's not something that you're super pumped about. It's just, if you need something to play in that spot and you don't have anything else in your colors, then you just got to throw it in there. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed already, but we've gotten through our bread here real quick. And we have not had anything to drink. That's because we are not doing beers today. We had a surprise. I brought in some monkey shoulder, which is three blended scotches. Yeah, it's something that uh, Gary and I have had before. <laughs> yeah, we had on in, in our uh, 2011 Commander episode. And we enjoyed it. It's quite strong. I'm a big fan of scotch in general. And monkey shoulder is my favorite blended scotch. So I was really pumped about it. Gary isn't big on liquors in general, so it's me, not... Me and Corey are rum guys, so I like it a little sweeter, maybe a little spicier, and a little less uh, burnt wood a flavor. A little less bitter. <laughs> I believe yeah. smoky. I believe, yeah, I believe the word you're looking for is smoky. Smoke. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just that straight wood cask flavor that I get from scotch. It's just so strong. <laughs> so, so what I did powerful. is I had a little surprise for these boys. I brought out some monkey shoulder that had been aged with some figs for a week. So I let them soak up some of that sugar, get a little sweeter. And we're doing a comparison here. So we've got a small sipper of the regular monkey shoulder and a small sipper of this new figgy monkey shoulder. And we're going to see which one we like the best. So 
Just took a nice sip of the classic. To me, like that is your your paramount as far as what scotch is in a blended form. <laughs> Corey's. I dare you to drink it, Corey. <laughs> Corey's, Take the I sip. don't even like the smell. <laughs> Corey is not a fan of scotch. And Gary's got these nice glasses here. They're really kind of put everything into your nose once you're Ooh, in. Oh, really yeah, these accentuate nice that nose feel. All right, so I'm going to dive into Garen's, Garen's little experiment here. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm excited for that one. It's uh, a lot sweeter on the nose. You can definitely smell it. Yeah, you can tell just it, by sniffing them. Yeah, if he hadn't told me that he put figs in it, uh, I wouldn't know how to explain the, the color variation, but I would have thought he honeyed it. Yeah. And that definitely would, would describe the smell accurately. And it is significantly smoother. I will say that. It's smoother. And it is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> Mission uh, accomplished. Yeah. But it doesn't really have the same finish that Monkey Shoulder usually has. Uh, there's not that uh, smoke to it as much. It's definitely, uh, I, I guess if we're looking at like beers, it would be kind of a darker flavor to it than what normal beers are. Um, and what just normal scotch is in general. It is tasty though. Corey's just grimacing. Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> that's that's the regular monkey shoulder there. Yeah, this is the regular one. All right, you give that back to me. Yeah, you can have that shit. Okay, oh, on some. I like the taste. It's just the smell just kills me every time. Oh yeah, this it the is smell is very. Just, it just punches me. Ammonia. In the face. Ammonia. Oh man, that's just forty percent alcohol. Nail polish. Yeah, just straight alcohol. But it sits on the tongue well. It's delicious. But god damn, is it hard to drink? I disagree <clears throat> with the delicious part. Okay, oh. I'm diving into the to Gary's experiment. Figs. Figs. <laughs> I mean, it smells the same. <laughs> it definitely is not. Strong smell. I'm going to go ahead and hand that original back to Drew. He's the only one who enjoyed it. I mean, I'll drink both I mean, of these. It tastes way better. Smoother. It's a lot sweeter. Yeah, just like Drew was saying. A lot smoother. Yeah. I think it even smells a little sweeter. Oh, wait, 100% does. And the coloration on it is very nice. Uh, <laughs> a lot better. I mean, I'm considering being blasphemous and... Chopping up figs for the entire rest <laughs> of the bottle. If looks could kill, I, I could, would have stabbed Gary. I could drink <laughs> fig monkey shoulder. I can't drink a whole lot of regular monkey shoulder. I should have eaten the figs. <laughs> I you don't know why I didn't. Probably delicious. Yeah, I tossed them. Damn it. Next time. Next time. Next time. Next time you say figs and we'll review Garyan's figs. Garyan's scotch figs. Scotchy figs. That could be a thing. Man, that sounds Instead of like, that sounds instead so of like rum balls, scotch figs. Oh, oh man. We'll I'm on board for that. All, All right. right. Now, Unfortunately, we yeah. got to get back to the episode here. We can't just review scotches all day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the other thing that we're kind of missing here is that there are certain cards that you want to build around in your sealed pool. These cards can be absolute bombs and can take over a game if they're supported by other cards, but they really do require a lot of synergy that's gained from you making this deck. So the big one from Guilds of Ravnica was Disinformation Campaign. On its own, a pretty decent card, but when you paired it with a bunch of Surveil, Drawing a card and making your opponent discard a card was absolutely backbreaking over time. When we're talking about categorizing all of these cards, how do you know when and where to start making your cuts? So first thing I was trying to do is try and make a nice, decent curve. In limited, I want a low curve that curves out nicely. And what I mean by that is that if I can, I want turn one, I want to play a nice one drop, turn two, two drop, turn three, three drop, and then I want to kind of go from there. But ideally, I want to be able to play out all of my mana in a given turn. Yeah, so you want to skew your curve to the smaller side of it so you can play not necessarily more powerful spells, but more spells to get more value for all your mana each turn. 
So you don't want to have so many five, six, and seven plus CMC cards, even though those are the the bombs that could potentially win you the game. But if you have too many of it, then you won't be able to play cards for the first couple turns yeah, if they're and just if clogging you, up your hand. Yeah, and if you're just sitting there for the first three turns against an aggressive deck, and that's the thing, is that you have to be able to play against any sort of deck in, in a limited environment. And so if you're just sitting there for the first three turns and they play one drop, they play two drop, play three drop, and they're attacking each turn with those, by the time you get to your six, seven drop, you're already dead. So you have to remember that you're not necessarily going to have access to a land every single turn. So on turn seven, it's not like you're going to have seven mana to play a seven drop. So you have to take that into consideration when you're building your deck. So something that I've had to do as a personal uh, problem in deck building is that I need to be able to kill my darlings. And what I mean by that is when you kill your darlings, you might be biased when you're looking at cards. You might have a card that you think is really good, but objectively isn't as good as you think. So you Especially to, in the context of what you've built right. in your deck. And so you might have a card that lets you draw seven cards. And while that card might be awesome and could, you know, turn the tide in late game, if you're really super keen on a card, you might have to look at it as being not as good as what you actively think it is when you're deck building. So what you want to do is you want to compare cards that are similar in CMC and effect of what you have that other card doing and try to evaluate as objectively as you can and in something like pre-release something, then you can ask other people and compare. So when you're looking at that, you really need to look at your cards, evaluate them, and then reevaluate them to kind of determine whether or not they're actually good in your deck and whether or not they synergize well, or if you just have other cards that are going to be better. And so using things like Quadrant Theory or just your past play experience of certain cards is really going to help you. So the next step is sideboarding, which is just the sideboard is the rest of your sealed pool. So after or in between each game, you're allowed to change out cards from your sideboard into your main deck and usually want to stick around to whatever your number of cards you have so you want to do a one for one trade but these are things where if you have lots of creature removal and they're playing a lot of enchantments then you want to put in your enchantment removal or vice versa things like that or cards that you wouldn't necessarily run against other decks but since this is a slower deck or maybe this is a faster deck, you want to take those into consideration and try and put in cards that will help you against those kinds of decks. Yeah, for example, again, if you're playing against something that is like super low to the ground, if they're playing one drops, two drops, three drops, then sometimes you need to cite in some of your worst creatures that maybe aren't as splashy or aren't as good in the later game and put those in to help you defend against those so that you can get to the later game where the rest of your cards are matching up. So as Corey mentioned, good sideboard cards include those that deal with like artifact enchantments or that are like creature specific. Yeah. So flyers are kind of a, a nuisance to green players specifically. And there's always a sideboard card that is in the set that's going to be destroy target creature flying or something similar to that. Yeah, almost never run those. They're strictly sideboard cards. But I mean, they're really powerful options. Yeah, when you need them, they're incredible. And when you don't, then you just have a wasted card in your hand. And that's kind of what sideboard cards are. Yeah. Now, there's kind of an alternate win condition category that I have here, and that's mainly because of playing as many drafts as I did of Guilds of Ravnica. I had to put it in, and that's cards that are like uh, alternate win cons that are just cards that say you win the game on them. And those cards are not always as obvious as they might be. Uh, the example I have here is that we've got Devious Cover-Up, which if you have two of them in your deck, they can become an alternate win con on their own because you just continue to counter and you shuffle them back into your library until you mill your opponent out, which... It's a crazy way to win, yeah. but it's 100% possible, and I've done it multiple times. And when it happens, you know that your opponent is just going to be super frustrated, and hopefully you can make that game go as fast as possible, because otherwise you're going to be playing against the clock. So well, this has been a quick explanation of what Sealed is, kind of how to build a deck. Hopefully this has helped you out. 
uh, helps you evaluate cards. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or anything like that. We have gone to loads of pre-releases. There's the three of us here and all of our friends that go. So we do have a wealth of knowledge in this category just because we've just hammered them out so many times. Uh, it's one of our favorite in- events to go to. It really is a lot of fun. Pre-release is something that, you know, as I said, it's near and dear to our heart. And with that, we do have an episode that's going to be on pre-release. So hopefully you'll check that out. We're going to be using a pre-release pack from Ravnica Allegiance that we got an extra one from this last pre-release, which, by the way, was super fun. Uh, shout out to Game Grid and Late News. They yeah, treat they, us right. They do treat us right. They have a that good is time. the shop we always go to. And so... They're good to us. We try to be good to them as much as possible. So look forward to that pre-release episode. We'll be making a deck on there, showing you how to apply everything that we've just talked about and how we kind of would sideboard in certain conditions. We're definitely going to be at our pre-release. We're going to try and do as many events as as we can afford, basically. So if you guys have any questions, you can hit us up on Twitter. We're at UUD Podcast. We're also on YouTube, Untap Upkeep Drink. You guys can hit us up on there. comment like whatever you whatever you do there yeah. send us all your great pre-release stories or all your crazy draft stories yeah, if you guys have any some good pulls or whatever you let us stories. know yeah also send us some good ideas of what type of fruits we should put and what type of liquors because i'm <laughs> enjoying that yeah. that definitely was a, a good idea even though i was definitely against it when i first heard of it but you guys be safe out there don't drink and drive don't drink if you're underage you know my spiel party hard Thanks for uh, stopping by. Thanks for listening to us talk, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have fun, but not too much.